When it comes to money and finances, so much of the stressful part doesn't necessarily come from a lack of money, but comes from a lack of being prepared. Hi everyone, welcome to Speech Goods, a podcast where we showcase awesome SLPs doing awesome traditional and non-traditional SLP things. Myself and the guests on this show are here to talk about the goods, the bads, and the untamable parts of ourselves and our SLP careers, and how, despite the challenges of everyday life, have just done the dang thing, loving what we do. I'm your host, Danny Augustine. I went from burnt out, dissatisfied with my SLP job, to dusting off my big girl pants, sprinkling some determination in my 20 cent coffee, and starting my own debt-free private practice. Now, I love my working career and wouldn't trade it for anything else. It was support and wisdom from others around me that helped me refine my why. In this show, I hope you find support and wisdom of your own. Hello, 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 friend, and welcome to this very special solo episode of the Speech Goods podcast. Now, this episode, the title may or may not have given away, honestly, I, as I'm recording this, I haven't decided if I'm going to give it away in the title. So if I did give it away in the title, then you you know what this episode is going to be about. But if I didn't give it away in the title, then you're probably like, what the heck is she talking about? So either way, I'm just going to go ahead and keep on talking. So those of you who are regular listeners to the podcast, you may have heard me like accidentally drop a few little hints in one of the past episodes, Uh, but I do have some very great news to share. Your girl, Danny, has a bun in the oven. So my husband and I, we are actually expecting our first child. Right now, I am kind of just rounding the corner in the or at the end of my first trimester. And with all of the things that come with being in first trimester, for any of you out there who have had buns in the oven before, there's the fatigue and the nausea and all these things. Funny story, I used to love these tamales that my mom used to bring me from Texas. Like they were legit. Like they were amazing. And now when my husband, like sometimes we we have them frozen and he'll pop them in the air fryer to freshen them up and have them for dinner. And now when he does it, I, I literally like, I gag. I have to just keep spraying room spray or something in front of my nose. It's the strangest, strangest thing. And yes, 100% feel free to laugh at all of the things that I say about my ridiculous self. But anyways, I digress. So as you know, on this show, I really try to create an environment of just being open and honest. And I really wanted to take this journey that I'm embarking on, that my husband's embarking on, that my whole family is embarking on with this pregnancy and bringing a child into the world. And also just talk a little bit about the side that I feel like isn't talked about enough. And that's the financial side of pregnancy, the financial side of having a baby, the financial side of maternity leave, the financial side of just adding someone into your family. For the same reasons that I had Ariana Tebowata on the show, who she is the author of The Expecting Entrepreneur. So if you haven't gotten that book and you have your own business and you are thinking about having a child or maybe you're even you're pregnant now it's that book is an absolutely amazing resource she really talks about baby proofing your business and sort of navigating that maternity leave pregnancy motherhood as an entrepreneur so just another little push for her book it's absolutely amazing 
And as a group of educated professionals who may also be wanting to start families, whether you are a mom, a dad, birthing person, at some point it is very possible that pregnancy may be a part of your life journey. And I think it's really important for us to have these kinds of conversations, especially as a group of professionals. And honestly, the majority of our field is women. And I think I've even been battling with this myself, this idea of having it all and okay, running a business, being pregnant, having a baby, coordinating childcare. And honestly, I've worked with a lot of families over the years and I'm always just so impressed by the families that I work with. And I kind of have always had this doubt in my mind if I could do it, if I was able to do it. So there's just so many emotions, so many decisions that have to happen when you're going through this time of life. And I really just wanted to focus on that financial piece because I will say, although a lot of things went into our decision to decide to have a child, one of the things that we talked about and one of the big things that we considered was the financial side of it. Because quite honestly, what I want to do is control the controllables, right? That's something that I talk about all the time. And there's so much with pregnancy and birth and motherhood and parenthood that you can't control that I know when Joe and I discussed it, we really just wanted to try and set ourselves up to be in the best position possible financially That way, it made it just a little bit easier when we have kind of those other stresses and uncontrollable variables coming at us because those are definitely going to happen. Just a little bit of backstory, just so you kind of know, obviously every person's story is different, but our pregnancy was a planned pregnancy. So some of these things are actually things, and I will kind of tell you as I go along, but some of these things that I'm going to talk to you about today, about how we financially prepared for pregnancy, maternity leave, having a baby, um, a lot of these things are actually things I did before I was even pregnant because I'm just that kind of gal. But these are certainly not things that you have to do before pregnancy or things that you aren't able to do if you're already pregnant. But these are just things that I really wanted to sort of walk you through, navigate these sorts of situations, especially things that are very, very emotional and in this case, and very hormonal, right? But still trying to just navigate them in a very objective way, at least with these financial parts of it again because my goal really is to and I would say not my goal but our goal as a family is to not have the added stress of finances as we make this very big transition in our lives so one of the first things that I'm going to say about all this is that this can get expensive this whole process can get quite expensive and that is something that even before I got pregnant, we were very, very conscious of. I know that there's things that there's expected items that you may or may not have to purchase, but then there can very much be unexpected bills. Like if your baby has to stay in the NICU or if they end up needing special therapies or services whenever, you know, after they're born, there's so many different factors here that can accrue a lot of expenses. And for many parents, you know, if they can and if they're able to 
able to afford it. They want to get the best service, the best boppy, the best, I don't know, breast pump for their kid. And there's certainly a lot of this cultural expectation of, you know, what it means to be a good parent and and making sure everything is up to safety standards and having the best this and the best that and the most up-to-date this for their development. And there's just so much chaos going around that that was something that it felt really helped Joe and I to just sit down, look at everything on paper, and try to make the best decisions that we can with the information that we have. So one of the first things that we actually did to prepare for pregnancy, and this is something that we did before we got pregnant, but this is certainly something that if you are pregnant, if you're already pregnant, I would highly recommend doing and being very clear on, is checking your insurance benefits. So we looked at the benefits and quite honestly, my husband and I had previously thought we were not going to have children. So when his open enrollment came the time before last, we had picked a plan that was more conducive to us not having a family. So we picked a very high deductible plan with a health savings account. If you're not familiar with a health savings account, it's essentially something that you have to qualify for and you have to have a high deductible insurance plan to be able to get one. But what's really nice about it is the money that you contribute is tax-free and when you spend the money, it's also tax-free. So it's just like this absolutely amazing savings vehicle. You can even invest with your HSA. The only caveat is that the money you spend with your HSA must be used for healthcare expenses. So doctor's appointments, medical equipment, seeing medical providers or service providers, things like that. So we had originally, when we had decided that we were going to try and start getting pregnant, we really looked at the insurance plan. Quite honestly, I thought that we were gonna change the insurance plan because I thought that we would just wanna get one with a lower deductible because of expenses. But the cost, and that was just something that we did the math on, the extra cost of of the health insurance plan to get a low deductible plan was going to be so much. And after speaking to our accountant also about the tax benefits of the HSA, because one of the benefits is you're putting in that money tax-free. So that money that you're contributing to your HSA is being deducted from your taxable income. So say you actually made $100,000 that year, but you put $5,000 in your HSA, then your taxable income to the IRS is only going to be $95,000. So I actually had a conversation with our accountant We already had a really good bit of money in the HSA. And what we decided to do is to keep the high deductible plan and just continue with what we had. Another reason why we chose to keep it was I knew that some of the providers that I was going to want to see during my pregnancy were not going to be in network anyway. So I was going to have to pay out of pocket for those providers. So I might as well use the HSA. A great example, um, I see a pelvic floor physical therapist who is private pay, and then I also see a chiropractor for prenatal visits who is also private pay. Another thing that was really, really appealing to me about our particular plan, and again, you really need to look at your individual situation and your medical needs. I really liked that once we met our max out of pocket, that everything was covered 100%. In the other plans that were available to us through my husband's job, all of the plans that had those lower deductibles that were not HSA eligible had an 80-20% coinsurance once we had met our max out of pocket. So if you're not sure what that is, your max out of pocket is the maximum that you are going to pay for your medical expenses 
for that year. So this is past, this is past deductibles, past individual deductibles, past family deductibles, the maximum amount that you are going to pay as a customer of that insurance company or whatever for that year. One thing with the other plans was that they had an 80-20 coinsurance once we met our max out of pocket. So that means that once we got, you know, I think our max out of pocket is like $8,000 or something like that. But once we met that, that means that we still would have owed 20% of any medical bills. So we were kind of thinking of sort of that like, oh shoot moment. If, you know, our child did need a NICU stay or I needed to stay in the hospital for a prolonged period of time. And if we racked up hundreds, hundreds of thousands of dollars in medical bills, yes, my brain thinks this way. Don't think I'm insane. Then we would have had to pay 20% of that and insurance would have had to pay 80. And for us, that just really did not give us peace of mind. The way that we kind of operate with insurance is it's really for like the oh shoot moments. If we get in a car accident or there's some big, very, very, very expensive medical events. It just helped us sleep so much better at night. Just to give an example, if you rack up you know, $200,000 in medical bills from you having to stay in the hospital for a few weeks and babies in the NICU, 20% of $200,000 is $40,000. That's a lot of money. I mean, at least to me, maybe some of you out there are balling, which if you are, congratulations, that is awesome. But those are the kind of conversations that my husband and I had. Now, some other factors to consider. My husband and I, we are very blessed that we're relatively healthy. So we're not having a lot of consistent medical expenses, especially we we don't have prescriptions that we're getting. We don't have a lot of regular doctor's appointments we're going to. We pretty much just have our regular yearly preventative care visits. My husband had to go to urgent care one time because he got stung in the nose by a wasp. He looked, friend, he looked like an avatar. It was funny, but also not funny at the same time. He's fine now though. But to any of you who like I said are kind of looking into having kids or maybe you don't ever want to have kids and this episode is a waste of your time, but start having these conversations. You know, if you have a partner, start having these conversations with your partner and sort of thinking of those, you know, I don't I don't like the idea of what ifing every life situation to death. That's definitely not very productive. And I feel, I personally do not struggle with anxiety, but I feel like if you are someone that struggles with anxiety, that wouldn't be helpful. Feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but just sort of talking through these situations of like, okay, this is what we plan for this. This is what we plan for this. And it just gives you, there's really nothing like sleeping well at night. There just really isn't. Hey friend, are you a clinician looking into contract work, opening up your own private practice or any other form of self-employment? Maybe you're excited about the flexibility, increased income potential and overall quality of life awesomeness, but the idea of having to manage your own retirement taxes and a variable income makes you want to hide under your therapy table and never come back. (laughs) I promise I totally and 100% get it. I had the same reservations when I started my own private practice. I actually took a lot of time to research my options for retirement accounts, how I would even pay myself and the different business entities, what they meant, and even how taxes worked so the IRS wouldn't come for me in the middle of the night. Lucky for you, I've actually already done all this research for you and I decided to compile it into an interactive ebook slash workbook called The Money Guide for the Self-Employed Clinician. With this instant digital download, aka you can get it like 
ASAP and you don't have to wait for shipping. I know. Awesome. Right. You are also going to get access to my cash flow goal sheet, health insurance comparison chart. I even give you some examples of profit and loss. I go through taxes, different retirement account options, and even how to budget with a variable income and so much more. In one of the first reviews of the book, Marcia said, girl, never have I ever read a more informational ebook and an easy to read non-overwhelming delivery method. Thank you for putting this out there for all the SLP private practice owners. So if you want to save yourself a lot of time and a little bit of anxiety, click the link in the show notes to get your own instant digital download. All right, let's get back to the show. So number two for the things that we did to sort of financially prepare for pregnancy and baby making their appearance on this earth the second thing I did was I researched common pregnancy and early baby expenses, especially expenses within that first year. And what I did with that was I kind of got an idea of what a lot of people would get. I looked up like, you know, most common baby items or best baby items, things like that. And then just kind of use a little bit of common sense. I knew I'd need some form of maternity clothes, diapers, you need the kid to sleep in something, so probably a crib or a mattress, a bassinet. And I got somewhat of an idea of how much those things would cost. Now, we are lucky enough that we will be having a baby shower and not everybody is able to have that. We are blessed to be able to have a baby shower and be gifted with some of these things, but I still just really like to have an idea of how much it's going to cost and also when these costs are going to occur. So right when you pee on the stick and you get the little lines, that's probably not going to be when you buy your maternity clothes, right? You're probably not going to need maternity clothes for a few months. I know it's really exciting to create a baby registry and look at all the really cute onesies and things like that. But when we were looking at things that we thought we would likely have to pay for ourselves, again, things that we may or may not get at a baby shower, I really was kind of looking at, okay, say nobody buys us a high chair, right? I'm not going to need to buy, I'm not going to need to buy a high chair until they're about six months old. And once I had a good idea of what some of these expenses would be, I also created a sinking fund and I did automatic transfers from our checking account into the sinking fund. If you've taken the budget without burden course, I talk about sinking funds all the time. I personally use Ally Bank. I really like how you can do different savings buckets. So we actually, even before we got pregnant, we created a baby savings bucket. We started saving up for a kid even before it existed, even before it was a zygote or whatever the heck you call it. I knew about how much I'd wanna save up within seven or eight months. Um, just sort of, and I just kind of rough estimated it, y'all. Like this wasn't anything super clear and concise because again, we did this before we got pregnant and we didn't know how long it would take for us to get pregnant. Some people, it doesn't take very long. Some people have some challenges with it and have to seek some medical intervention to be able to get pregnant. So again, that's like one of those things that we didn't really know, but we knew whatever was gonna happen, we were going to need some kind of money. So we went ahead and just started setting aside a little bit of money every week. And I did the automatic transfers from Ally. So you basically just, once you create a savings account with them, you just go in and you put how, what amount you want transferred and how often you want to transfer it. I just do it every week because uh, I kind of like the idea. And again, this is purely just me. You may not feel this way. 
I like the idea of instead of once a month taking a big chunk out of my account, I like once a week taking a little bitty chunk out of my account. I don't know. It just softens the blow a little bit, man, you know? But I will tell you, that little sinking fund has been really nice to have. Even kind of we're still in the early stages of everything, but that sinking fund has been really nice to have. Another thing whenever I was looking for prices of stuff, I also was kind of starting to think about what I would be willing to get used. Now, this is a completely personal decision. Some people are like, no, other babies have touched that. That is not touching my baby. Look, you do you, boo. I'm not opposed to used items, and I really kind of looked at what my options were for used baby items or even used maternity clothes. A great example is there's actually, and I found this, yes, I found this store before we got pregnant. There's this maternity and kids consignment store that's not far from my house and actually like went in there before I got pregnant just because I was very curious. I just kind of wanted to see what they have. And they actually had a really great selection of maternity clothes, kids clothes. There's also another store not far from my house that is a just pure kids clothes consignment store. So that was really helpful to kind of see because Honestly, I mean, I didn't know how much kids' clothes cost. Like, I didn't, I never really bought them. You know, I know how much my clothes, my clothes cost, um, and I know how much uh, a sweater for my dog cost. But I, yeah, I had no idea what a reasonable price for kids' items were. And so I kind of just started looking around, and I actually found these really good resale stores. And that was something I was able to see. Like, okay, how much is a kid shirt? Like, what's a reasonable price for it? How much does Walmart charge for it? Um, I know that there's some of these little boutique shops out there. I also knew that there were some other baby items that I was willing to get used for myself. One item that I'm, if it is not gifted to me, I will 100% get it used is a bassinet. So I've noticed that bassinets are really expensive. Some of them are, can be very, very expensive. And the bassinet, the baby really only stays in it for the first couple months when they are kind of sleeping in the room with you and they outgrow it pretty quickly. And then, you know, you would put them in whatever you're gonna have them sleeping in more long-term. And when I kind of looked even just on Facebook Marketplace, I was like, wow, I can get this $300 bassinet for like 70 bucks, which is awesome. So even going into pregnancy, I kind of already saw what the prices of things were. And some things were very, very expensive. So definitely don't be afraid to do your research. To me, it's like you're never going to be upset that you got more information to help you make better life choices. Right, friend? Okay, let's move on to number three, because this brings in some of more of my calculamication skills. Yes, can you say calculamication five times? I want to see you try. But anyways, the third thing is that I actually calculated what I needed financially for maternity leave. So how much money did we need to save up? Uh, would we need to save up a lot of money or would we be able to survive just on my husband's income? These are all things that I think are really, really important to think about. I feel like especially when you are, you've just shoved a human out of your body, the last thing that you want to have to worry about is money, right? You want to be able to take that time, this is a big transition and be with this this new family member and this new family unit that you've created. So honestly, friend, this is where your budget is so, so, so important. 
It really is. Honestly, this step really did not take that much time and work for us because our budget is so, not trying to brag, our budget is so on point and we know how much is coming in and going out every month that it was kind of like, oh, okay, great. I know how much, I know how much money we need each month for our bare bones expenses. And we know about how much money my husband makes. My husband is not on a salary. He's paid hourly. He also gets commissions and some other bonuses when he makes sales. So his income isn't like super duper duper predictable to the T, but we know what his minimum is based upon like if he just gets his bare minimum 40 hours, which he is guaranteed is 40 hours at his job. And that's like without any type of extras. So we just took that number. We knew what our expenses were. And then I also knew what money would be coming in or about how much money would be coming in while I was on maternity leave. This is another great example of why it's good to have multiple income streams. So I knew that my income wouldn't go completely down to zero while I was on a maternity leave or while I will be on a maternity leave. And when I did my calculations, I went ahead and just assumed a six month maternity leave with a, uh, not six months, I'm sorry, a six week maternity leave with a very slow return back to patient care. So when you're doing these calculations, one thing I do like this term i think dave ramsey uses it i don't remember but he calls it your four walls so going even deeper than just your bare minimums but the four walls are food utilities shelter and transportation so even if you feel a little bit overwhelmed doing the math especially if you've never done a budget before i would highly recommend going ahead and doing a budget if you are pregnant and knowing how much money you'll need each month because it's better to do it when you're four five six even seven months pregnant than to never have done it at all and to go into a uh, a maternity leave that is unpaid I have to make sure I clarify that that's unpaid feeling unprepared because I myself you know I do not have PTO I don't have paid maternity leave so that's something that I knew that I needed to prepare for we also looked at what our discretionary spending was and our non-committed expenses these are things that this is also something I talk about a lot in the budget without burden course is knowing what your non-committed monthly expenses are because if you're not committed to those then those are things that you shave off or dwindle down if you need to save some money that month then you've also got things like your committed monthly expenses I'll give you an example we have a gym membership that we have a one-year contract so it may seem oh you don't have to have a gym membership right but we're still committed to that expense even when Danny goes on maternity leave because we're signing to a contract, then they have our bank account information and it's a draft from our account. So yeah, that's a thing. This is not exactly like a bullet point that I'm gonna go into for ways that we financially prepare for pregnancy, but this is something that I would recommend to everyone. Make sure that you have an emergency fund. We already had our emergency fund even prior to getting pregnant. But I will say that we did decide to add about $3,000 to our emergency fund now that we are bringing in another soul into our family. That was just a number that we felt pretty comfortable with and that kind of helped us be at ease. So we bumped up our emergency fund a little bit. And then in addition to that, we also are saving on the side. And I don't want you to be intimidated by these numbers I'm throwing out. I'm not throwing out numbers to make you feel like you have to reach these numbers or like, oh, well, Danny's doing that. I need to be doing that. Boo, no, you gotta do you and what's right for your like situation. But I think you also, I also want to make sure that you keep in mind that we started this process before there was a bun and Danny 
nanny's oven. So we did not come to the decision to have children quickly or lightly. This was probably like a six or seven month process prior to actually actively trying to get pregnant. So I just kind of want to give a little bit of that timeline. Another thing that we also did to prepare, this isn't a bullet point, but another thing I wanted to add was we tried to time it. Now, granted, this is not an option for everyone. I 100% understand that, especially if you are dealing with difficulties with fertility and things like that. It is not an option for everyone. But for us, we were able to time it to where baby would come during my husband's slow season. So one advantage to that is that he has more time off. He's not getting home late whenever baby's gonna be here. Another thing is that we're also not missing out on income while he is in his busy season. So right now is his busy season. He does heating and air, so it is hot as, I don't know, what is really, really, really stinking hot. It's about that hot right now in Louisiana. Um, so he's very busy. This is kind of his money-making time. That's when he kind of gets those really, really big paychecks. And we knew for just practical reasons. We didn't want to have the actual baby in his busy season because we didn't want to miss out. First of all, if we could help it, we didn't want to miss out on those big fat paychecks with him having to take more time off and just the general stress level. His stress level is not nearly as high whenever it's not busy season. Okay, let's go to number four. So the fourth way that we financially prepared for pregnancy and baby and all those things and don't make fun of me because this is possibly a very nerdy thing, but whatever. We actually made a mock budget with our new monthly expenses. So we thought about what expenses would be increasing or what new expenses we would have once baby was here. So one of the main expenses you are probably thinking of, and if you are thinking of it, you would be 100% correct, is childcare. So this is something that we obviously were not paying for unless you count the occasional weekend trip where we dropped Tilly off at you know the little local pet lodging place. They, when they're where they would treat her like a queen but childcare is a very large expense and i know that that's something that when i've talked to other moms and other families it can border anywhere you know a lot of places it depends on your geographical location but i mean a thousand dollars a month i've seen and heard people say twelve hundred dollars a month especially i mean if you've got more than one child it's a significant amount of money and so we wanted to kind of be mentally, emotionally, and financially prepared for that because we are very used to being able to put big chunks of money into savings and investments. And, you know, we recognize once we have a child that those things are going to look a little bit different. So yes, I did this before I was pregnant. Again, call me insane or call me prepared. I will leave it up to your discretion. But I actually kind of called around at daycares and got their pricing just to get an idea of what, okay, so this is what a full-time daycare would be like. This is what maybe a lot of going rates are for in-home daycares. Then for, you know, if you wanted to do a nanny or a nanny share, this is kind of what a normal rate is. I knew that I did not want to work 100% full-time once baby was here. So I knew I didn't want a full-time daycare. That was a huge challenge for us to find a daycare that would allow us to go part-time and allow us to pay for part-time. So many places, yeah, sure, you can go there two or three days a week, but you're going to pay for five days, which, again, I, I totally understand why they structure it that way. But we were actually able to find a place that would accommodate us for going for three days a week. They actually have two days a week and three days a week offering, and, of course, they have a five-day-a-week 
offering. So that was kind of something we we're probably going to do a three day a week schedule. And I know uh, we have a, an in-law who is very ecstatic to take one day. That's a discussion that we obviously did not have with them before we knew we were expecting but I knew that I didn't want to have personally I knew I didn't want to have my child in daycare full-time and that was an option for us I knew our income my husband's income should not vary greatly or have a huge difference uh, from having a child but I knew that for myself building up continuing to build up other income streams and just preparing for a dip in income even while those other income streams were still giving me income i wasn't going to be doing as much direct patient care i even kind of looked into the cost of toys now i know this is a super hard thing to predict but i kind of just wanted to know about how much toys were i knew that i really wanted to get the love every sub toy subscription i don't know if you are familiar with that at all but my godson actually had it and I've actually, you know, gotten to see the toys and see the kids and I really, really liked them. They have kind of a, a very Montessori type style and just researching when I kind of did the research for like, okay, if I wanted to build, essentially build a kit on my own, it was like, well, that's a really lot. That's a lot of extra work to do all of that. So I'm all about, I'm all about, you know, my time is very valuable to me. So like for us, I think that's something we're going to go ahead and, and get is the love every kit. It's a subscription. And again, it's like high quality wooden toys development appropriate it even like has gives you a little booklet with like how to play with them and how to play with the toys but that's an expense that I kind of went ahead and like let's just put this in our pretend baby monthly budget now obviously you know I'm going to put that on our registry but someone may not buy that for us and that is 100% okay so that's something that I added in and I know you know maybe we maybe we'll spend more money on toys than that or I, I've I've absolutely no idea you know I'm definitely not trying to act here to sit in here and pretend like we are not spending any more money than this ever ever again but we are certainly not spending $300 a month on toys type of deal. So I kind of had like a little bit of a toy budget. The same way that my husband and I have fun money, I like the idea of like having a toy budget just to sort of, I mean, keep things reasonable and keep things, you know, to where we could, we were still aligning things with our financial goals. Another thing that I also looked into the cost of for our budget was feeding cost. So cost of breast milk storage, lactation consultants, like I knew our insurance covers, I think six visits with a lactation consultant. I work with breastfed babies and feeding and infant feeding and all those things, but I have, and again, this is a personal decision. I know that it's probably going to be hard for me if my baby is having trouble. It's going to be hard for me to be mom and be therapist at the same time. And I don't want to force myself into that if I don't have to. So I already knew how many lactation consultant visits I would get with my insurance before I even got pregnant. Because <laughs> the plan as of now is to do mostly breast milk. And that plan could very well change. I even looked into prices of formula. Like, okay, like how much formula do kids go through in a month? Like I didn't really know, you know, how much is a case of formula, things like that if you go to Costco. So I kind of tried to get somewhat prices for those. Again, just so none of these experiences expenses were ridiculously surprising and up until they start solids it's not going to add anything to like our food food budget and you know we'll kind of adjust all of that when that time comes but that's something that I wanted to know like how much is it going to cost to feed this kid right another cost that I wanted to make sure to look at was diapers so I even kind of looked at some stats about diapers yes I did this because I was very curious but the first month of baby's life they can go 
through anywhere from 10 to 12 diapers a day. And then once they get a little bit older, between like one and five months, they go through maybe like eight to 10 diapers a day. And these are just things that I just looked it up online, okay? These are just things that I found. And then, okay, how much is a case of diapers? Like I had absolutely no idea. And so I just gotten a little bit of an idea like how much, about how much would we spend on diapers each month? Okay, so we're gonna be having probably about eight or $900 worth of extra expenses that we did not have before. We also knew that we would wanna contribute some sort of monthly contribution to a education savings account or something like that. So if you're familiar with a 529 or an ESA, and we were also, we still haven't fully decided what we wanna do yet. We may also even do something called an UTMA, which is you don't get the tax benefits of the 529, but you are not limited to using the funds in that investment for education purposes only. So if our kid wanted to use it to buy a home or to maybe buy an investment property or something like that, that could be an option for them. So, but we knew we wanted to be kind of making monthly contributions to some kind of account like that. And we're trying to decide, we still haven't decided when exactly we wanna start that. For those kinds of accounts, obviously you need the child's like social security number and stuff. So obviously we don't have any of that yet because they're still baking. Uh, but whenever we get to that point, that is going to be part of our monthly budget as well. Okay, friend, so those are all of the points that I have for you today for just how we financially prepared for pregnancy, baby, uh, a huge and wonderful life transition that we are extremely excited about. And I really hope this helps you know, you know, no matter where you are in life, even if this particular topic is like so ridiculously far from your mind, or you're like, no, that is parenthood is just not my thing, completely understand. But I think it's always beneficial to hear how people think about things. When it comes to money and finances, so much of the stressful part doesn't necessarily come from a lack of money, but comes from a lack of being prepared. Obviously, it would be so much easier like for us to just all make more money. Like, yeah, like if you, of course, I, like I'd love to just make more money, right? But I also think it's really important to be wise with your decision-making to make the money work that you have now, as opposed to just wishing to make more money. Like I said, I'm all about making more money. I think I want SLPs making more money. I mean, what the heck do you think I'm talking about all the time on this show and on Instagram? But it's also important to be able to manage what you have. There's this, I don't remember where it's from, or maybe I'm, I don't even know where it's from, but it's, you know, if you can't manage $100, then you can't manage $1,000. Because no matter how much money you have, the skill set is the same. It's just that when you do have that more money, obviously you have more options and more flexibility. So I hope that you found this helpful and I really, really enjoyed just sharing this with you and being upfront and honest and saving the fluff for the marshmallows. And don't forget, I am still doing Q&A episodes. I'm going to be recording my second Q&A episode in a couple weeks that you yourself as listeners can submit questions to the podcast for me to answer. I get lots of DMs and I love being able to talk to you and collaborate with people in DMs, but sometimes it just, it can be a lot, especially as I'm still in that, you know, first trimester bliss of like trying not to just like vomit and fall asleep everywhere. Yes, 
it's really a thing. It's totally a thing. I've, I've definitely learned that it's a thing. Um, so I'm actually going to include the link where you can submit your question to the podcast in the show notes. Also, another way that you can submit your question to be answered is you just go to my website, thespeechgoods.com, and it's actually on the homepage. You can just click on the little button and submit your questions. I've gotten some great ones so far. The first Q&A episode was super, super fun, and it really is a privilege to not only get questions from you, but to be able to answer them really thoroughly on the podcast, because I feel that's what you deserve, is to get a really thorough answer to a lot of your questions. And whenever we do questions in this format, it allows me to answer them in that way. Okay, friends, so that is all that I have for you today on this week's episode. I wish you all the luck in all of your life endeavors, and as always, go do the dang thing. Thank you so, so much for listening to this episode. Be sure you are subscribed so you can continue to get more no fluff content from me. And I would really appreciate it if you took a small amount of time to leave a review for the podcast. It really helps to boost it in the search engines and ratings, and it allows me to continue to produce this content for you and get this message out there to other SLPs and healthcare professionals. And as always, happy wealth building and go do the dang thing.